Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Audrey, and I'm your host. A strong woman chooses compassion over revenge. This is one of our favorite quotes, but it doesn't really even come close to emphasizing how hard it must have been for our amazing guests to make the choices you're going to hear about in this episode. Ashley Michelle is a blended family consultant, a certified life coach, a NASM certified personal trainer, and a mother of three. She's remarried and produces Our Splendid Life, a blog with videos, courses, and so many great tools to help women like you thrive with blended families. We also think she might be the world champion of compassion. We commend Ashley for some of the tough decisions she talks about in this episode, and we're so grateful that she brought her honesty to our podcast. You always hear us talking about changing the conversation around divorce and fighting those stigmas. We couldn't be more proud to be featuring a story unlike any we've heard before. Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle is a weekly podcast, so make sure you subscribe to keep up with new episodes we're curating to help empower and uplift you as you embrace your fresh start. This podcast is for you, so join our Facebook group, Worthy Women in Divorce, to let us know what you think and what you want to hear. You can also get more at worthy.com slash podcast. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with Ashley. When you sell a piece of jewelry, you can't control how much it's worth, but you can make sure that you're selling smart with a team of experts and advocates behind you at Worthy. Your engagement ring can be a financial asset that allows you to embrace a new and fulfilling life after divorce. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to learn more. I'm so excited to be joined by Ashley Michelle on the podcast. I have been a fan of hers. I found her on Instagram over a year ago. I think she is talking about blended families in a way that is so refreshing, and she makes it look glamorous, even when you know it has to be difficult at moments. She always finds ways to bring positivity back into what she's doing. And I love seeing her inspire other people. So I'm so excited to have her on to inspire all of you. So welcome, Ashley. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Good. That makes two of us. (laughs) So maybe some of our listeners might not be familiar with you. So why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction to who you are? Sure. Okay. So I'm Ashley and I'm remarried. I live in Idaho with my husband and I have a daughter from a previous marriage. Her name is Ellie. She's almost 11. And then together with my new husband, we have two children. Carter is seven. He's a little boy. And then Claire is our little girl and she's five. So I'm actually from the South. I grew up in Mississippi and South Carolina. My husband's from Utah. So Boise. Yeah. And so now we just live in Idaho together and we love it. We love to travel and as a family, we've road tripped to 48 of the 50 states. So wow. it's something of a hobby for us to go. Which and two do you have left? Alaska and Hawaii. That's that it, makes as sense. a family. Yeah. Because it's hard to road trip really to those two. Road trip to those. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a fun experience. We love showing our kids the world and just spending that time together as a family. That's beautiful. I love that. So, Thanks. all right. So you have this amazing online community. You've got your social channels, you have your blog, and now you're doing YouTube videos and you've got seminars and stuff that you're you're uploading and it's amazing, amazing, amazing. And all of this is happening with the title, Our Splendid Life. So I know you, you talked a little bit about 
the breakdown of your family, but why don't you tell us a little bit about what Our Splendid Life is and sort of how you got into sharing these things online? Yeah, absolutely. So the concept for Our Splendid Life actually happened when I was right in the middle of probably the darkest part of my custody battle, like what I would say was one of the biggest challenges for me. We Mm -hmm. had just moved. I had a new baby. So I was dealing with all of these different emotions. Plus, the part of my custody battle was transitioning at that point. And so there was a lot of things happening. And I just was really feeling isolated and alone. Mm -hmm. And I was just trying to find ways for myself to like get out of this this funk, this depression, this darkness that felt so consuming. And, um, our splendid life just like came to me and it was kind of just meant to be, you know, because to me, I felt like it represents changing the perception and going from like focusing on your trials and all of these bad things that are happening to you as a blended family to consciously choosing a different perspective to focus on the good and right. and turning it into the, the splendid life. And that is why I just love what you're doing so much because I think a lot of people don't see that there's an opportunity to sort of look at it that way. And I think by having, you know, a story that's unfolding every day, you, you know, you're writing another chapter in your story. Right. You know, there's pain in it, but there's also so much beauty. And I just love that you gave it this really uplifting and positive title. And I think it gives other people courage to kind of see their situations in that same way. So I think it's it's right. just wonderful. Well, thank you. I love it. Yeah. So I know that, you know, you mentioned that there there were really difficult moments in your custody battle and You know, a lot of our listeners have been through custody battles themselves and know that it's not necessarily splendid. So I'm hoping you can take us a little bit back in time and we're going to talk about sort of how you came to have this story to tell. And before we jump into that, I'm wondering if we can just go over a few terms that I think some of our listeners who might be in the very beginning stages of divorce may not be totally familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to know, you know, we've got custodial parental alienation and abduction, primary placement. Tell us a little bit about what some of these these things are. So basically, when we talk about a custodial parent versus a non-custodial parent, that means that in the court system, one of the parents has custody of the child. So non-custodial would be the other parent who the child doesn't live with full time. Mm -hmm. So primary placement is also another way of saying that. So you can have joint custody, which means technically it's 50-50 in the courts, but then primary placement is where the child lives majority of the time. Mm -hmm. So then when we talk about the custodial parental alienation, that is when the other parent is trying to keep that child away from the custodial parent. So basically, you know, talking bad about them, playing into that fun parent role, the Disneyland dad, I'm sure you've heard that. So that's the alienation part where you're making one person the good guy and one person the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And then I also talk about the non-custodial parental abduction. And that's just a nice way of saying that um, my daughter was kidnapped, essentially. So when I went to pick her up, she wasn't there and I didn't get to see her and I had to file a police report and within the system though it's really hard because the police can't do anything because it's technically a matter to go through the family courts Mm -hmm. so you have to wait and have a trial and a hearing and so it's a different type of abduction because they don't actually issue an amber alert and it's not right anything you know it's a a totally different situation when 
there's this custody battle involved as well. So that's what that means. And we'll we'll get a little bit more into, you know, sort of how all right. of that unfolded for you because I, yeah. I, I know it, it just must have been so incredibly difficult. And I know it's something a lot of our listeners can relate to and, and would certainly want to hear about. So before we dive in, let's also talk about the difference between co-parenting and parallel parenting, because I know this is something that that you are great at talking about. Yeah, and I actually get asked this a lot because Mm -hmm. I talk about co-parenting and I have co-parenting courses and I really emphasize the fact that this is best for your children to get along and to co-parent together. Right. But that's actually not what I do in my relationship. We do parallel parenting and that means that I have a set of rules in my house and he has a set of rules at his house. And Mm -hmm. so in that parallel direction, we're parenting, but not together. Right. Okay. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the story of your first marriage and how it ended and sort of what unfolded. You know, we, we kind of got there already talking about the terrible things that you've been through with navigating this process, but let's let's share a little bit of background with our listeners and Absolutely. give them the fuller picture. Right. No, and I think that everyone has a really interesting story to tell. And mm-hmm. I think that everyone has a different perspective as well. Like I always say this when I share my story because I I truly believe that in a divorce there are three sides to every story. I think there's my side of the story and there's his side of the story and the truth is probably somewhere in the in between, you know. You know, you know, we have a a meme on Pinterest that says in a divorce, there's three sides to the story. There's your side, my side, and my screenshots. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's exactly right. No, it's it's so true. And so I like to say that, like, this is my story and this is what happened from my point of view. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't ever want that to come across as, you know, one-sided. But anyway, mm-hmm. so I was really young when I got married. And I actually found out that I was pregnant initially. And so this guy was someone that I did not plan on spending the rest of my life with, you know, Mm -hmm. and because I was really young and influenced by others, you know, opinions of me and what needed to happen and what I felt like the best decision would be for my daughter, Mm -hmm. I decided to get married. And at the time, to me, that meant sacrificing what I wanted and what I felt like my life would look like to give her a family. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't matter to me that I didn't love him. And it, I didn't really know the impact that that would have. I just felt like as long as I was doing what was best for her, yeah, it would all work out. And so I kind of felt like I would sacrifice my happiness, you know, and what I wanted. Right. I mean, that's something that we've talked a lot about on on this podcast about how, you know, I think women especially, we just, we feel like we can take on that sort of burden and we're not entitled to the same happiness that the people who we're trying to accommodate are. Or hang in there for the kids. It happens all the time. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of how my story began was it just didn't start in a good way, I guess, Mm -hmm. to begin with. And so it wasn't sustainable just right from the beginning. And so what happened was together we moved out of state. So I was away from family. I didn't have a very good support system. So when he left, it's so hard. I had a brand new baby. I, she was like two months old and I had no one there. I was, you know, sitting in an apartment by myself with, you know, no money, no car, nothing. I'm like, what am I going to do now? And so I decided to go to Utah, which is where I had a support system built. I had people who could watch my daughter so I could go to work. I had Mm -hmm. contacts and networking so that I could get a full-time job. And so I started rebuilding my life at that point because I 
knew that I needed to be in a good place for my daughter. And so that's when it shifted for me, knowing that I needed to be better for myself in order to be the best mom for her. Right. So during that process, I gained a lot of independence and I felt like I was in a really good place. I was finally in this place where I needed to be as a person and as a mom. And so I ended up filing for divorce because I gained residency. So I was in Utah for a full year. I didn't hear from her dad. I didn't have any contact from him for a year. Right. So I sent him Christmas cards and birthday cards and I tried to call him to see if I could buy him a plane ticket to come see her. Nothing. I got nothing back from him. And so I thought, okay, he's going to sign the divorce papers and we're good. We're just going to move on. Mm -hmm. And to my surprise, he had actually already filed for divorce in South Carolina, which is where he went when he left um, back to his family. And the courts gave him full custody of my daughter without (gasps) me knowing it. So for that entire year, I basically was, you know, technically <laughs> living with her <laughs> and he had full custody the whole time. And I had no oh idea. I, wasn't her papers. I, had no, I had no knowledge that any of this was happening. And so what happened was when I filed, it triggered in the system saying that there had already been a motion put into place and this is what had to happen. So then the two states had to fight for jurisdiction and that's when it became really messy. And what a nightmare. Right. And so I felt like at the time I thought, okay, the courts are going to have my best interest in mind. They're going to see that I have proof that he hasn't been around. They're going to see that I've been alone for a year. They're going to see Mm -hmm. that I've established myself and I have a full-time job. Well, he's had custody for a year and where has he been? Exactly. So I just had this faith that the court system would make the right decision. Mm. And (laughs) what actually ended up happening was South Carolina got jurisdiction of our case and the judge required that I quit my job, leave my apartment, and moved to South Carolina to live within 30 miles of my ex. Oh, my Because God. he deserved to see his daughter. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I finally felt like I was in this really good place. And so to backstep that far right. where I, my, luckily my parents actually lived in South Carolina at the time. So I moved in with my parents. I mm-hmm. got a job as a waitress at night because I had no one to watch her during the day. I had all this independence and freedom taken away from me. Right. Well, and not just that. I mean, it's, you know, yes, it's freedom and independence, but, you know, we speak with so many women who come out of the experience of divorce or their husband leaving, and it's so hard to even get out of bed. And here you were truly thriving. Right. I mean, you weren't just surviving. You, You had made a whole new identity for yourself and and exactly. you were faced with a whole set of challenges and you overcame them and then a giant wrench was thrown into the plans. Exactly. I right. just can't even imagine. It was really difficult. And I think the hardest part for me at the time was my daughter was 18 months old. And mm-hmm. so that is when that stranger danger starts to kick in with them. Right. And so the very first time she saw her dad after that year, he got her overnight. The judge ordered that he could have her every other weekend and it was unsupervised. Like, so she's basically all her life knows one person, me. And then it's like, she had to go to a stranger essentially. Wow. And she had no idea. That must've been so hard for both of you. How do you explain that to an 18 month old? Right. So the hardest part for me was not only rebuilding, but knowing that she was going through those trials that I couldn't do anything about. Right. That's so difficult. 
Right. And so he began to get visitation. And so it was every other weekend and it was just a standardized visitation through the court system. And Mm -hmm. what I noticed was that he wasn't the one picking her up. He wasn't the one paying his child support. He was, he wasn't even there. It was his parents. So Mm -hmm. he kind of was just, you know, in the background and he would show up at court when he needed to, but it was always someone else who wanted her. And so that was even hard for me too, was, was sharing her with someone who wasn't genuine at the time. And I say at the time because he got remarried and her stepmom is wonderful. And so I think that he has matured a lot through that process. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that now it's a good thing for her, you know, but back then it was just this really difficult situation for us to go through. Right. So then moving forward, we just fought. It was this terrible custody battle. We weren't getting anywhere. We tried mediation. We had a trial date set. And basically what happened was his parents really wanted this 30 mile radius to stay in place. They didn't want me to be able to move and continue my life anywhere else. And so when I had that conversation with him, it sounded to me like he just wanted to move forward and he didn't really care where I lived. And so we ended up putting into place an agreement outside of court between just the two of us that I could move wherever I wanted. But then in the court system, they would have the standardized visitation mm-hmm. so that all appearances would be that this was the agreement, right? Just to get it over with. Like, I'm like, okay, we've got to do something. I can't keep living this, you know, temporary life. Like I felt like I couldn't move forward living in my parents' house, right? Like right. I needed to go and and move on. And so we did, we put this into place, everything was finalized in court and everything was great. So I ended up moving to Atlanta. I got remarried. My husband was in law school in Atlanta. And so our visitation was, I had her for two weeks. He had her for one week and we were constantly just, you know, meeting halfway and it worked, it worked for us. So this was, you were able to meet, like it was driving distance and it was doable. Right. Okay. Driving distance, everything worked out. We had a long-term plan in place that I felt was sustainable. And so I, I was starting to rebuild again. And I felt like I was in a good place. Like we got pregnant with our little boy. We just, we really felt good about this situation. Mm-hmm. So it totally shook me to the core when I showed up to pick her up from our meeting spot and she wasn't there. Oh my god! And at first I thought they're just late. So they're running late. I don't know why I can't get a hold of them. It's okay. Maybe there's traffic. And of course, you know, these thoughts in your mind, deep down, I'm thinking something's wrong. Uh-huh. I know in my heart that something's wrong, but I'm justifying it. And I'm thinking, no, it's okay. It's okay. Give them the benefit of the doubt. It's going to be fine. So I finally just started to drive to their house because I thought, okay, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to find her and I'm going to get her and it's going to be fine. And they were gone. And I finally got a call from his girlfriend at the time saying that, they were keeping her and they weren't giving her back. And so to say that that's like my worst nightmare, I can't even describe to you. Like it was the scariest moment of my life, not knowing when I would see her, or if I would ever see her again. And honestly, the next like few days, few weeks, it's all a blur. Like I don't mm-hmm. even remember. I know that I went to the police station. I know that I filed the police report. I know that I contacted my attorney. Like all of these things factually, you know, happened. But emotionally and mentally, I just couldn't process what was happening. It was the scariest thing that I've ever been through. And luckily, we were able to schedule an emergency hearing. And I had enough documentation at that point to, to basically have leverage to say, this is what we want. And so we kind of 
we changed our visitation, we changed it in the court, and we were able to move forward after that. So looking back, I feel like it was a good thing because it really did establish some guidelines for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. How old was she when this all happened? So she would have been three. She was little. And does she remember it? I mean, did she feel like, when am I seeing mommy or? So we honestly haven't asked her about it. Mm -hmm. We have tried to put her in. She's been in art therapy. She's been in equine therapy. And so we're trying to, to help her process those emotions and Mm. those things that happen, but he hasn't signed off on actually being able to send her to a therapy session. Mm. So we're trying to just be really careful because of our custody agreement, because it is 50-50 joint custody, he has joint decision-making power. And so I can't do anything without his signature. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those subjects that we really can't talk about Mm. because I want to make sure that we do it the right way when it does happen. I mean, I just can't even imagine what that experience must have been like for you. And we'll definitely make sure that we link to all of your social channels. And, you know, I I saw on, I think it was on your Facebook and your YouTube, you have the sweetest little video with her from Uh, a few weeks ago. (laughs) And so like, while this is just such a tragic story, we know it's going someplace splendid. Exactly. And she just seems so happy you just see the relationship that the two of you have and she just seems like such a a good sweet girl and she feels so safe and you know she was talking about having two different homes and everything so i know there's right. a lot more to the story but i think we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we will talk sort of about where you are now and and then we can talk about different ways that you can help other people who are dealing with similar issues and and co-parenting and parallel parenting. And so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Ashley. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. Worthy provides the smart solution for women looking to safely elevate their rings from dusty relics of hard times to financial assets to help you embrace your fresh start. Worthy covers the cost of insurance, shipping, grading, and more. So if you're going to sell, sell smart with Worthy. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to get started. We're ready when you are. We are back with Ashley. And Ashley, you were just telling us about this emergency hearing and what ended up happening from there. So basically the emergency hearing established guidelines that I could move wherever I wanted to. And Mm -hmm. that opened up the freedom for me to really move on. And so my husband graduated from law school and we moved to Utah and our visitation changed so that my daughter would be flying back to see her dad one weekend a month and Mm -hmm. they would be able to choose that weekend. And it was something that we thought would be really sustainable. So she could still see him, but we would be able to live and move on with our life. Right. Where we wanted to live. And so the problem is with most paperwork, it's pretty ambiguous. Like it can be, it can be interpreted a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like our paperwork would allow her to fly by herself and her dad interpreted it as, as she couldn't do that. Even though, you know, through the airlines and everything, it would be fine. He felt like he had decision-making power enough to say that that couldn't happen. And so I was living in Utah. I just had another baby. So Carter and Claire were both really little. Mm -hmm. And one weekend a month, I was traveling 
back to South Carolina to give my daughter to her dad. So I was gone for Thanksgiving. I was gone for Easter. I was gone for a part of Christmas. I was toting around an infant every month, every single month. She was missing a ton of school because his visitation technically started on Friday at 6 PM, but her dad didn't want her to miss any school. And so I'm like, well, that's physically impossible for me to fly her across the country and have her not miss any school. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. like it, it, it was one of those things that it, it was a, a really challenging situation to find balance mm-hmm. constantly trying to travel with her. And it wasn't, it just wasn't good. And so we really prepared to go back to court. I just said, this is unsustainable. I can't do it anymore. I can't leave my family and always be gone and have her missing school. And it just, so it was so hard. And mm-hmm. so I felt like we were going to go back to court. I called my attorney and I was ready to fight again. And anyone who's gone through this court process knows how big of a decision that is because you never know what the outcome is going to be. Right. You know that you're putting a ton of time, effort, money, emotions into this. And trust. I mean, you know, looking at at your story, like you had been the sole parent in your daughter's life for the first year and a half that she was around and the court still... Right. You know, he got jurisdiction and and things yeah. went from there. So, you know, you just never know. Right. Exactly. And so I hung up the phone with my attorney and I felt like, you know, that option and taking that risk was better than what we were doing mm-hmm. at the time. And so what's interesting is right after that, I just had this really strong feeling that she needed to go and live with her dad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, absolutely not. That is what I've been fighting for you know, for, she was eight years old. So for eight years, I've been fighting for this. It was my, the one thing that I said I would never do. And I just had this feeling that this is what needed to happen. And so I had to trust and, and have faith and know that what I was feeling would be the best decision for my daughter. And so I called her stepmom and I just said, look, I think that she needs to live with you right now. Let's try it out. And here's what needs to happen in order for that to, to be put into place. And so she was able to fly by herself. And that kind of opened up the opportunity to change some of those things that we were going to go back to court for. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like it was the right decision for her because I know that she's exactly where she needs to be. But right. there's not a day that goes by that I don't miss her and that I don't feel like I'm missing out on something and I'm not helping her with her homework and I'm not giving her a kiss goodnight every night. And it's so heartbreaking to sacrifice that as a mother, but seeing her thrive and knowing that she's not missing school because I'm in control of her visitation now. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, living somewhere that they love her and we love her too. And so we're changing that dialogue for her and it has nothing to do with who she lives with. We just talk about who she spends the school year with and who she spends the summer with. And so turning it into, you know, what I have control over and what can I do to make this the best situation for our family right? and being empowered in that and not just feel like I'm being taken advantage of or feel like the courts are against me and all these bad things happen. And I think that's really typical in a custody situation or a divorce is to focus on all these bad things and all these circumstances that are happening Mm -hmm. to us and becoming empowered about that and just saying that, you know, I can control myself and my decisions and, and I'm going to do what I feel like is best for our family. So. I mean, I hear your story and I think about what it must've been like for you to make that decision. I'm just, I'm so blown away. I think a lot of the time 
as a parent, you have to do things that you didn't know that you were capable of. And beyond that, I mean, you had, you were co-parenting with somebody who was not really willing to accommodate your schedule or your needs. And like she had to fly with you and, you know, she did, she couldn't miss school. And, and so it's not like you had a great partner in compromise and still you were able to find the strength to make this decision. And, you know, it's turned out to be a good one. And we'll talk, you know, obviously it's not all perfect all the time, I'm sure. Even, you know, kids who live with their mom every day, it's not perfect all the time. But, you know, I I like to think of women as just like stronger than we can comprehend. But I mean, where did you, where did you find this strength to, to make this decision? I had to just think about my daughter and I had to think about what was best for her. And I also had to shift my mindset from being all controlling of the Mm -hmm. situation. Like I think as a mom, we want what's best for our kids, but sometimes we imprint our own, you know, values and what we think is best onto our children rather than taking a step back and actually thinking from an unbiased stance, Mm -hmm. what actually is good for them. And so honestly, like if you think about it, your kids are prepared for whatever challenges they're going to face. I honestly think that they are given those struggles and challenges in their lives for a reason as well. And so to think of her as a separate person who is going through this challenge in her own way and knowing that this is her story and I am part of her story, but I can't control what that looks like for her. And so the fact that she has another family who loves her and adores her and wants what's best for her, you know, she has so many people that support her on her journey and looking at it from that perspective, I think that's where I gain my strength is just feeling like having the confidence that she is strong enough to handle this in her own way. Yes. And this is going to shape her as a person. And she needs to go through this just as much as, you know, this is, this is part of her story that she's going to tell and that's going to define her as a person. That's right. So, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about on our podcast is stigma and judgment and all of the different ways, you know, women are made to feel bad about divorce, about being a single mom, about remarrying too soon or being single too long, the way that they parent. It just seems like whatever whatever women are doing, they're being judged and told that they're doing it wrong. And the way that you guys have decided to parent and the decision that you made, we were just talking about how it was such a hard decision. And, right. you know, I'm sure that people make you feel bad about this decision? Oh, absolutely. All the time. And it's actually probably the people closest to me who judge me the most, which is really hard. Yeah. Because I think they think that they know what's best for me Mm -hmm. and my daughter, you know, and so I totally understand where they're coming from. But Uh what I love about it and what I think is so important about this community and being open and genuine and transparent with our story Mm -hmm. is that the response that I've gotten from complete strangers over social media is so overwhelming with love and support. That's so good to hear. (laughs) Yes, it it really is. And so I think that, you know, that very first post, you know, way back when I, you know, I was terrified, I was, my hands were shaking and I Mm. thought, I don't want to do it. You know, you feel like you're going to throw up when you start to tell even just Mm. the littlest, tiniest part of, you know, obviously I've opened up since then, but the very first time 
I was so terrified of that judgment and the stigma and all of the the reactions that I was going to get. And I was just completely amazed by the outpouring of love and support that I received. And so I think that anyone who is brave enough to share their story will be surprised at the response. And I think that it's really overwhelming to have that community. That's so good to hear. You know, you I've told you about our, our Facebook group, Worthy Women in Divorce, yeah. and it's so amazing to see all of these women sharing their stories and the way that people, you know, I always see people writing things like, that's my story exactly, or just, you know, giving each other support and relating to one another. And I think you're right that it's almost like it has more power when it's inside of you and when you let it out and you get that kind of positive yes. response back from people. It's such an amazing feeling. Right. So if you're if you're listening and you're not in our Facebook group yet, it's Worthy Women in Divorce and you can find it on worthy.com slash podcast too. But you know, in those moments when when you are made to feel judged and you know, maybe we have somebody listening who is dealing with that in their own life, what kind of advice do you have for someone who who is made to feel bad about decisions that they've made that are really nobody else's business? Right. So and this is one of those things that I even I try to teach my kids because the world right now is so judgmental. And I think that everyone is very insecure in their own Mm -hmm. hearts and and in their own feelings that they project that onto others. And so anytime I have that negative reaction from anyone, I just know that they must be dealing with something that is coming through onto me and that it really Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with me and it has nothing to do with what I'm saying, but just remembering that they must be fighting with something that I have no idea about because projecting that onto someone else has nothing to do with, Mm -hmm. with me. And it's really just about them. And so just changing that, your mindset on, instead of feeling judgment, just feel that empathy toward them. Right. And just sort of like not letting it seep into you, deciding whether or not it gets to be a part of your experience. And and it just doesn't, that's their experience and it's their problem. I think that's really good advice. Yeah. So one of the things that you've recently written about is that like, Ellie is is living in Florida now, right? Right. So you see her a lot and it's wonderful, but when she's in Florida at her school year home, is that the Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, every once in a while it happens that you you can't get a hold of her or you can't get a hold of her stepmom and that kind of fear starts to creep back in and I think, you know, people in in all different kinds of situations can relate to that feeling of this is your child who you love more than you could possibly express and you're in this moment where you can't reach them and you can't be there for them. And and how do you get through those moments? So I just like to remember that I'm only in control of one person Mm -hmm. and that's myself. And I know that my reaction and my response is more important than, than anything else and showing her, my daughter by example, how I want her to live her life. Mm. And so I know that I really have a hard time when I can't get a hold of her because all I want is to be involved and I just want to be there for her and I want to be as much a part of her life as I can. And so I think, honestly, it just comes back down to having the faith and knowing that she is in the right place and she's living her life the way that needs to happen just for her. And so that has helped me a lot. That is helpful. How do you talk to your kids about this arrangement? We're talking about Ellie, who's, you know, she's the one who's back and forth. And and then you've got these two little ones that are with you all the time. Yeah. 
Well, honestly, they don't know any different. Like mm-hmm. this has always kind of been our situation for them. And so they absolutely love it when she comes and whenever we FaceTime her, whenever she gets on the phone with us, they just light up and they love it. Yeah. But it's funny because now that they're getting a little bit older, they're asking and they're like, oh, so you were married to someone else? And <laughs> <laughs> like, who's my stepdad? Who's oh. my stepmom? <laughs> and so we've always kept this open dialogue with our kids. That uh-huh. It's never been a conversation where we feel like we need to sit down and talk to them. Uh-huh. It's just natural. And as it progresses, we just talk about it as they ask yeah. the questions. Yeah, we had um, Nicole Qualen who's a collaborative divorce attorney in North Carolina on. And the thing that I loved the most that she said to us was that normalizing divorce doesn't make it like contagious or more common. And I think that's that's sort of I like the that. approach that, that you're taking with your kids. It's like, you know what, this is normal. And it gives them the space to feel comfortable and happy. And the truth is there is no reason for them to feel shame about it or – to, to think like, oh, this is different than than what other right. people are going through. And and I think, you know, we talked a lot about stigma before. And I think sometimes we might feel like we need to come up with excuses for things like that. And I, I think that's a like a really that's a, a great service right. you're giving to your kids to give them, you know, nope, this is how it is and it's fine. <laughs> it's not like a yep. let's sit down and have a family discussion. This is just this is how it is. So what tips do you have for listeners who haven't gotten to the splendid part of their story quite yet and they're dealing with a high conflict ex? We hear a lot of stories about high conflict ex in our Facebook group. So (laughs) yeah, it's so common. So the very first thing that I would say is to treat it like a business relationship. As soon as you take the emotion out of it Mm -hmm. and you realize that you're communicating with someone for a purpose, That really helps a lot because you look at it from a different angle and you think about how you would be speaking to someone in a professional way. Mm -hmm. And even though they might be badgering you or saying bad things or trying to trigger you, you have control over your response. And so to just shut it down and say, look, you're not going to get that back from me because when you fight back, that's giving them what they want and that's fueling their fire. And so to just be able to shut that down and say, you know, look, I'd love to discuss this issue with you, the specific issue with you. What is your schedule like? When can we talk? Have questions already lined up and what you're going to speak on and all those topics so that you can stay on track when you're mm. having that dialogue. A lot of that eliminates the emotional response that a high conflict ex is looking yeah, for. It simmers the the heat down. <laughs> Right. And even though internally you might be (laughs) wanting to respond and another good thing, another good tip that I always say is you can type that text out. Just don't send it. You know, like it's not going to feel good to hit send in the long run. It's not making any progress. It's not doing anything good for you. Mm -hmm. It's fine to feel that, but witness it and move forward and just say, look, I, I, I realize that I'm angry. Why am I feeling angry? And get that emotion out. You can move through that emotion without acting on it. One of the things that I I always write this in our Instagram captions that like, if you are angry, I'm 100% sure that you have every right to be angry. So it's not just like notice the anger, but like give it its honor. Like girl, you can be angry, you know? But then take a breath and realize that that anger is not going to serve you or your child. Exactly. And, and type right. it out and delete it. 
Exactly. Yeah. I think that's really helpful advice. So now I guess this is taking a step towards the splendid part of things. How do you recommend people introduce their kids or their ex to new step-parents and siblings and and all of the blended bliss that that comes with the fresh start? I think it totally depends on your situation, Mm -hmm. like how old your kids are, how long have you been divorced, how long have you been separated? Like everyone's story is so different. And that's why I love doing one-on-one calls with my clients because Mm -hmm. I get to know them in their unique situation before giving advice. But I would say, honestly, do what feels natural and good for you. Like keep your family's best interest in mind and always err on the side of caution. Like if you don't feel like this is something that's long-term or if you're, you know, if there's anything that you're hesitating about, I would say take a step back and decide what's going to be best for your family Mm. in the long term and just do what feels best for you. And, you know, you mentioned that you are working with clients and I just think it's such an incredible thing that you're able to help women who are going through what you've been through. So what does that mean to you? To me, it means connecting on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. I really feel like when you have that common ground, it's so much easier to open up and share and talk to someone who's been there. And it's just this genuine conversation that happens. And it's discussion and it's talking about what you need in that situation at that moment, because Mm -hmm. I've been there. I mean, it's been 10 years of, you know, this long process that I've gone through and I feel like everyone has this part of their journey that defines them and these challenges that are life changing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that you should go through that alone, you know, and it's not something that you can talk to anyone about, like Mm -hmm. even your close family members, if they haven't been through it, they don't understand. That's something we see people writing in our Facebook group too. Like, you know, my, my family and my friends have been great. They're doing everything they can, but there's just some things that they just don't get. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And so that just common connection that we have is so empowering to just be able to sit and have a conversation with someone who knows what you're going through. Right. It's amazing. Well, I have to say, you know, I've been a fan of yours for a while and I think what you're doing is incredible. But after this conversation, I'm just like head over heels in love with you, Ashley. (laughs) I'm just so in awe of your strength. And, you know, before I was talking about how like, I'm sure that if you're angry, I'm sure that you have every right to be angry. But right. I like for you, like you really do. I mean, you really, really were dealt a raw hand and and right. you have overcome so much and you're setting such an amazing example for your kids and being able to to build bridges and what, you know, really must have seemed like an impossible situation is is like really, I think, heroic. And I I just I'm so glad that I get to share your story with our worthy women and we would love to have you back on whenever you would like. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and how they can work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is www.oursplendidlife.com and I have resources and support on there as well as my blog. So I share more of my story on there and on Instagram, my Instagram name, you can type in our splendid life. It will pull up, but the handle is actually Ashley Michelle. And I just share my story there, but I also offer one-on-one coaching calls. I have a course coming up that I'm, I'll be launching 
really soon that's going to be amazing. And I'm really excited for all the resources that we're generating. Yeah, well, we are so excited to watch your business grow and thrive. And we're so excited to bring your story to our listeners. And we look forward to having you back. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Ashley for joining us and to all of you for listening. Next week, one of your favorites will be back. Erin Levine of Hello Divorce will be joining us to talk about keeping your divorce on track when it feels like you're stuck in the middle. We hear from so many of you in our Facebook group about how hard this process can be, and we know how much you love Erin, so we're really hoping this episode is going to be as helpful to you as the first time she was on a few months ago. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your feed weekly. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. Worthy is an online auction platform designed to help you sell valuable items like an engagement ring or a wedding set. When you decide to send your ring in, we pay for the shipping and insurance to ensure that it arrives safely to our New York office. Once we receive the ring, we have it professionally graded and photographed, which helps it sell competitively in our buyer network. One of the best parts of working with Worthy is that you get to set the minimum on your item. After the grading, our gemologists will give you a recommended selling minimum, but at the end of the day, you get to decide how much you want to sell the ring for. If the highest bid comes in below that threshold and you decide not to accept it, we'll send you your ring back and we'll even cover the costs of the insured shipping again. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Are you ready to embrace your fresh start? Us too. Go to worthy.com podcast to learn more.